Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour. Uh, my name is Jason Rockman, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, just to let you know right off the bat, if you would like to make sure you never miss an episode of the Rockman Power Hour, just like and subscribe and make sure um, you uh, hit those buttons below. Whatever service you're listening to us on, if you're listening to us um, just on the audio format, just make sure you subscribe to us on whatever platform you're on. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and like and um, and share if you're enjoying this because we're really enjoying bringing it to you. I'd like to bring on my co-host, Ryan Stick. What's going on, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Uh, just uh, finished up the edit for uh, Brandon's episode. Didn't have to cut anything out because it's amazing front to back. And uh, as a person who's never actually really leaned hard into Incubus before, it was a pleasure to actually go down that musical rabbit hole and see their evolution because... I know you're a fan of their album science and like, you know, when they were just scrappy, <laughs> scrappy nineties kids making music, yeah. it's, it's kind of insane when you think the uh, evolution of science going into songs like drive and uh, wish you were here. Like uh, their, their first albums, uh, their first two albums are pretty hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were, they yeah. really, really evolved as a band. Um, they're, they're kind of, they kind of like, followed in the footsteps of bands like faith no more uh fishbone you know they really just had this this vibe to them where they didn't really really care what they did um they didn't care if they fit into a format they were just a band that was going to take some risks and that's what i've always loved about brandon not only as an artist but as a person um he's just somebody that's not afraid to go out on a limb and um and he's been doing that uh, of late you know not only is he you know an accomplished frontman of incubus but he's got a really really cool solo career that's going on he's a really really good artist ryan and we talk about it in the interview um mm. uh, as a visual artist this guy is something else and um i'm excited for people to to get to know brandon a little bit more because uh, you know kind of like you were saying some people just know brandon as the singer of incubus um but there's so much more to him than that you know he he's he's a really well-rounded artist and um I, I, and we talk about it in our chat how i kind of just stumbled across the fact that he was a visual artist by looking on another page where i sometimes get art from and i was just blown away I couldn't believe how talented he was. And, and it doesn't surprise me because, you know, it, I've had the chance to talk to Brandon before we were on the OzFest together in 2000. And he's he's somebody that's a very interesting guy. And you can tell there's a lot of layers to that onion. This interview is really cool. And what I like about it is the fact that you guys met each other like in the late 90s. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a kindred. There's a, there's definitely a, you have this mutual love of Mike Patton, which, yeah. uh, you know, we're, <laughs> as we're recording today is his birthday. That, that's which is crazy. Um, yeah, no, the, the first time I met mm. him, I, I don't want to give anything away because we talk about it, but yeah, I mean, I've I've kind of followed him along his career. Um, at, there's been some points where I've been a little bit closer to him. Like I mentioned, we were on tour on Ozfest, and and there's been points where I've admired him from afar, but either way, um, along that whole journey, I've had nothing but respect for him, and um, and I'm glad to see him evolve as an artist and and continue and still keep you know, a toe in Incubus and, uh, and still kill it with Incubus live. I mean, if you see any footage from them playing over the last few years, um, they're, they're just, they're still at the top of their game. So I'm really excited to bring this interview with Brandon Boyd from Incubus to you. All right, uh, really, really happy to uh, have on the Rockman Power Hour today, uh, a guy who I've been a fan of for a long, long time. And uh, I've kind of known for a long, long time, and this is the first time we've chatted in a while. Brandon Boyd uh, from Incubus and many other things that we're going to discuss today is with us. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm really good. And um, I'm excited to chat with you because the first time we met was in Toronto, and I think it was 1997 or 1998. Um, you guys were first of three on a bill, or mm -hmm. maybe second of three. Mm -hmm. It was um, Soulfly. 
System of a Down, and Incubus. And we probably would have been first of the three. I yep. think at a certain point, System it's of flip- a Down and us like interchange. Flip, like, flip-flopping. Right. Yeah. So I, being um, being from Montreal, I remember we took the drive down the 401 highway about six hours to go to the show because these shows weren't coming to Montreal. They, you mm-hmm. had to go to Toronto. You know, Toronto, it was either Toronto or Vancouver. Right. And I remember... Um, having science and just it being completely in love with that record and um, seeing you outside and saying, you are the best singer I have heard since Mike Patton. And you just, I I remember your reaction was like, thank you. (laughs) And then nice compliment. Thank you. Well, and, and you know what? Um, I'm glad that I was right because the world caught on to you guys a few years Mm -hmm. later and then you guys just catapulted. But um, I remember catching up with you a little bit later on and uh you would talk to me about being on the snowcore tour and that you were doing vocal warm-ups mm-hmm. and mike oh, Patton and mike Patton walked by you and just looked in and went <laughs> <laughs> we we became friendly uh on that tour and then you know we were lucky enough to like tour with faith no more in um in australia it was it was us and Faith No More and Soundgarden among some other wow. bands. It was a small festival tour, and that was like my and this was relatively recently. It was in the last like I think seven years or something. Um, that was like my my childhood fantasy tour come true. I got yeah. to we got to perform doing our thing, and then I would uh, grab a towel, and as I was drying off, I would watch. Chris and the guys in Soundgarden do their thing on the stage right here. Yeah. And then have a minute to go and change my clothes. And then I'd run back up on stage and then watch Mike and the guys in Faith No More do their thing. And it was amazing. Yeah. I was just listening to um, one of Mike's projects, Tomahawk. Yep. I think it was their first or second record in 2001. And uh, just played, pushed play, went all the way through. And I'm, I'm forever, I will forever marvel at. Mike's um, vocal prowess. He's, he's like a, he's a beast. He's not from this planet. There's no way he's definitely been dropped up here from extraterrestrials and he's not, he's not, he's not human. There's not a way he can be human. Um, Now, you know, I, and I, and I always cite Mike Patton whenever I talk about you because you really, really do have those chops. I mean, when I, and you, they were really, really evident right from the get go with, with Incubus and the early stuff. I mean, you really push the limits. Um, Thank you. Where, where were the influences from on that, in that early stuff? Was it Faith well, No More? In, in particular, in the early stuff, it was Faith No More, Mr. Bungle, Primus, um, the Beastie Boys. Uh, but, and, and then it gets even more obscure as you go down. And these are all as true influences, but like Fish. Yeah. Uh, um, gosh, John Coltrane, Ella Fitzgerald, John Zorn. Like we were all over the map with what we were listening to. But as a, as a, as a young guy, learning how to sing um i would hear chris cornell mm. i would hear mike Patton. um i would hear bjork i would hear uh pj harvey and i, I all of them and uh, they're all kind of that's kind of a relatively wide net that i just cast yeah but all kind of in this sort of alternative universe of the period of time and i would marvel at all of them equally and so those people and a handful of others quite literally taught me how to sing. And so when you have the opportunity, not that long thereafter to like go and, and play with these people and and establish some rapport with them and um, have them be supportive of what you're doing. It's like a, 
you know, it's the teenage wet dream come true, the <laughs> rock and roll dream come true. <laughs> when, and, and, just really quick, when you yeah, said, sure. I told you that story about how I was warming up on Snowcore and mm -hmm. uh, Mike walked in, he kind of peeked his head in and he, he like chuckled at me a little bit. Um, it That stuck with me forever because I come, I realized that he he's a different level singer. Like he, I, I warm up my voice just to try and get, it's mostly about like shaking off uh, nerves and stuff and yeah. second guessing and all these things that most of us go through. But every once mm. in a while, there are performers and singers who don't do anything. They just like, oh, it's time for me to go on stage and do what I'm awesome at. And I've always kind of admired that kind of um, confidence in someone's craft. Well, he's the kind of guy that'll go have a Portuguese you know, rotisserie dinner and then go on stage. I mean, it's just, it's, it doesn't make oh. any sense. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, he's one of my favorite singers of all time. And, 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 you know, again, when, when I, when I got a copy of science and, you know, back then it wasn't, you know, the internet wasn't like it was today. Um, you, you would have to source that stuff. Someone would have to usher you in, sure. you know, and I remember getting it. It was an import in Canada and finding yeah. it. And, uh, and it was like, Oh, Oh, what is this? So um, a couple of years later, uh, my band ended up getting on OzFest and you guys were on OzFest. So I got to watch you guys every single day. And that was when you guys were really breaking. Um, mm -hmm. All the bands you cited as influences were bands that weren't necessarily easy to pair up on a bill. You know, mm -hmm. you guys kind of always were, I don't want to say you stuck a, like a sore thumb, but you guys were always one of the outside bands, but you mm -hmm. fit in on a lot of other levels. What was it like for you playing on a, uh, on a tour like OzFest? It was uh, incredibly exciting. It was also um, intimidating because we, like you said, we'd never really fit exactly into one genre. And there were just as many gigs that we did on those. We did two Ozfests and we actually opened for Black Sabbath in 1999 as well as a result of like establishing relations with, with uh, Ozzy and the family and everything, which was so yeah. cool. Um, but I, I think from a very young age, we kind of had to surrender to being the proverbial sore thumb right. on the bills. And then it, in, in a way, at a certain point, it kind of started to fit. That's what fit was that we were the band that got just as many like perplexed looks for people <laughs> body as people going like, yes, like this is, I get it. Yes. Right. So it was like half that and then half perplexed. But I will say, Nobody ever threw anything at us except like <laughs> joints and underwear and bras and stuff, which is fine. It's like throw that stuff all day long. But there's never like the uh, the disparate tomato in my face yeah. or like head of lettuce or anything, which I'm I'm also very thankful for. Um, it must have been a trip when you guys crossed over from being that band that stuck out like a sore thumb to being a band that was headlining bigger places yourself, getting radio success. And let's face it, I mean, you guys became a radio band. And, mm -hmm. and it's strange when you think that that transition happened, but I, I kind of always knew it was going to happen when I heard the follow-up to science. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, Morning View and the, you know, you, you, these, these records really had, um, they had hits and, and it was nice to see you guys evolve into a band that, you, you know, just really zeroed in and wrote some songs that were just undeniable. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It's a weird thing to, to be doing something that you're, that you believe in and that you you feel is what sounds good mm -hmm. and what looks good and stick out like a sore thumb for so long and then one day it's like the the tide shifts and all of a sudden what you're doing that was so kind of oddball 
for a while becomes more mainstream, uh, for lack of a better term. And what was interesting, you know, about that process is that this band, I feel like all of us as, as songwriters, um, individually, but then collectively as a band too, are in a constant process of, of refinement. Like we're constantly trying to figure out what it is that we're doing. We're, we're sort of, we're casting a wide net, but we're trying to narrow the focus to a point where we uh, understand what it is to write a song. And while that was happening as a young band, uh, there was a moment where the mainstream kind of looked right past it. And there was a yeah. moment where in our process of refinement, stopped the gaze stopped like right yeah, on the spotlight like, on you. Yeah, yeah yeah hey everybody <laughs> okay <laughs> let's do this <laughs> so, so it, it's fun but it's also scary oh and, I, and i'm sure and i'm sure and yeah. um th- i think but that's what i think i've always liked about you is that you're you you've never been scared to to just do what you do and if people catch up great and if they don't you're going to yeah. still do your thing and that's exactly what's going on with this new stuff um, you know, I've all, I've only heard pocket knife, but yeah. when I, when I, when it was sent to me, I put it on and I was like, oh, this is good. This is rad because oh, he's, ta- he's taking chances again. He's not just going the safe route. He's taking some, some risks. And, and yeah. I, and I like that because it's, it just shows a whole different side of you mm, and it's yeah. very, it's, and it's super artistic. You know, it's not some, if someone's a hardcore incubus fan and they're going to put that on, they might not get it right out the gate, but, mm-hmm. but you're someone that is worth the second or third listen to, to let it soak in. And, mm. um, but immediately I was like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're saying Bjork, you're saying certain things. I'm like, he's, he's taking some risks. Is, do you think that's because you've changed as an artist, not only as a musical artist, but also as a visual artist? It's part of it. Yeah. And it's also part of that continual, almost at this point, unconscious refinement that takes place. Like we're as artists, I'm sure that you, you can relate to this. Like you're always um, looking you're always kind of like rooting around in the dirt, looking yeah. for some, you know, the shiny object. And um, sometimes you just emerge from the day dirty and yeah. just dig around in the dirt. But sometimes you emerge dirty and with a little jewel, you're like, I, I found something. But right. I think it takes a willingness to get your hands dirty and make mistakes and have misfires and stuff in order to um, unearth some of those gems. I hope that when people listen to this song, but also to this new record, it's called Echoes and Cocoons, this new solo record. Um, there's definitely quite a lot of rooting around in the dirt. It's a, it's a dark record, um, okay. but it's also very telling of the period of time uh, under which it was written and the circumstances under which it was written. Um, it was uh, written in our collective cocoon. Like we were all holed up inside and we're being told that at one point like in here in california you would get a thousand dollar ticket if you went to the beach yeah i remember i Imagine remember. What we know now you know it's like oh we should have been going to the beach yeah <laughs> right get some sunlight on you that's like it it's a, it's really good for you but during the period of time it was it was written we were like you can go to the market or you can go to the hospital and you can put yeah. gas in your car that's it and so i just was home and i love writing music and um, I read a lot of music and like a, a fraction of it sort of comes out, but um, I was home writing and I was in a process of discovering new music um, with my girlfriend, her and I kind of like play this game. Yeah, sometimes it's every day of the week and sometimes it's every couple of days, but we'll sit down and I'll pour tea for us and we'll just like play 
our new favorite music that we're hearing right. or our old favorite music that maybe each other haven't heard. And um, we kept stumbling across John Congleton's work. He's a producer and a writer and his name kept coming up. So I was like, I looked this dude up. Like I'd heard his name over the years and from his solo stuff and then all of his records he's produced. And he's, his name is on like a, a disproportionate everything thing. now. Yeah. Crazy. Like yeah. I'm, and getting to know him, I'm, I'm so stoked for him that he's been able to have such a, an effect on popular culture, but like quietly, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I, did, I just, I did a, a cold call. I slid into his DMs and he wrote me back and we just started writing songs together. And this album is the result of that. That's great. And it, it you know, you, you mentioned him, um, my daughter, uh, and of course I have a 14 year old daughter who's got her finger on the pulse of everything. I mean, she's just turned me on to so much great music and Phoebe yeah. Bridges is one of the, one of the artists. And, uh, I was like, wow, cause my daughter, um, she would have loved the nineties, you know? So I, I, I love being able to show you like, you know, there was a time where there were really strong female artists, um, that had a lot to say, and that was the nineties. And so yeah. I find that the, that's kind of coming back now. Um, yeah, and, uh, I see, I feel it too. Yeah. I feel really good about it. I'm so Me happy too. that Me too. our generation is discovering such a, uh, an enriched period of time. It, <laughs> I don't want there's a whole other topic, but there's oh, a period please. of time. <laughs> There's a period of time in music uh, that predates auto-tune. Mm, yes. Wonderful hear, time. Yeah, you hear people, you hear singers, you hear songwriters, and what you hear is what they were able to do and what they are able to do. Yeah. And this kind of studio trickery, for however you feel about it, it's pretty remarkable. The technologies, they can make anybody sound like anything. You know, yeah. you, can, you can take just me speaking and you can turn it into a song that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating and stuff, but it's also, it, it's sort of sad because there was a period of time up until right around the late nineties where what you heard was, that's how they sounded. And I, oh, yeah. Yeah. I can also hear myself saying it and I sound old. But. I know I, I, I it, this is the thing. So you, 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 you run the risk of sounding like that angry man yelling at a club, but, um, yeah. But when I had when I have a discussion with someone who's young and they listen to Perry Farrell and they go, that guy just doesn't sound right. I'm like, no, that's called character and a voice. Like, yeah. You know, so I, I totally feel you on that. Um, Pocket Knife, um, there's a lot to the, the presentation. And I guess this comes from from you being an artist as well. But uh, the video presentation is beautiful, too. Where, where was that shot? How was that all conceived? Um, how much preparation went into, you know, there's movement that that's in there that you're not, unless you were just freestyling, but like, I, I, tell me a bit about creating that whole thing. Cause now, you know, it's one thing to have a song, but it's, it's nice to have a whole presentation. It seems like a lot of characters mm -hmm. put into the whole thing. You know, um, a friend of mine, uh, named Daniel P directed it and he is, I think he's probably more known as a photographer, but he's done a handful of music videos and. He just, the videos that I saw of his were, um, there was an economy of space in them, which I'm always interested in. Like there yeah. was not like crazy editing, crazy trickery happening. It was just like good, beautiful shots. And I love that kind of stuff with videos. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I really like his photography too. Uh, he's on Instagram at Daniel. Somehow he, he was able to snag that. At Daniel, wow. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm still trying to get at brand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, he, uh, we had all these ideas about like finding like a maze somewhere. And then we were having location issues, partly because of COVID and restrictions, mm. but partly because of like, it would be insanely expensive to like lock out 
an outdoor space that was big enough. And so we ended up just shooting it at my house. That's just here in the Santa Monica mountains. Um, I have a couple of acres in the Santa Monica mountains and, um, the movement, are you talking about like the that physical movement? That yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Cause that doesn't look like it's just dialed in. I mean, that, I mean, you know, it doesn't look like you just showed up and did it. It looks like some thought was put into it. That is very nice of you to say. And I, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm happy to report that it was improvised. <laughs> well, okay. Well, listen, yeah. <laughs> I think you have, you have a, uh, you have a, a potential future in, 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 um, interpretive dance as well. Interpretive because... dance. Exactly. <laughs> I, I will just say she's not in the room right now, but my girlfriend, Sarah is, a. Uh, um, she just retired from ballet okay. four, four years ago. And so she was um, a world-renowned ballerina. She was the principal dancer at the Semper Opera House in Dresden. Oh, wow. Uh, and so she's a, her, her kinetic intelligence or spatial intelligence is it's off the charts. It's so inspiring to see her move. And so during lockdown, once again, we were just in the house together and we were cooking and we were, you know, growing food and playing with all these different things, sharing music with each other. It was in a lot of ways, it was a really wonderful time. Um, if it weren't for the circumstances outside of the house, you know, I would, I would think very fondly of it. Um, yeah. mostly. But one of the things that we would play with was um, I was just sort of like, ask her, like, can you teach me to dance? Okay. And I like to move and stuff under sure. the circumstances. You know, I've been in a band for a long time. But I see the way that she moves and I see the way that she's able to manipulate space around her. And it's like, it's like watching the most incredible singer in the world. Yeah. It's like, why do you know how to do that? And so uh, she was showing me uh, some Im improvisational techniques that she learned from like um, Forsyth, you know, who was a mentor of hers. And where it was like, you draw your name in the air with your elbow. You create a circle with your knee. That's like so cool. Create a, you, you imagine there's like a, a, a thread between this point and this point and you pull it and it's like all these different things. And it was just fun. And then so she was behind the camera with Daniel and she was, she wasn't telling me what to do, but she was like, just doing this. <laughs> so you were getting the thumbs up. <laughs> and then she would go. And I would stop doing whatever I was doing, and it, it was fun. I, I appreciate you saying that. that it yeah, no, fun. listen, I, I, um, I, I had, I, I, I had no preconceived notion. I didn't know what was going to be up. Um, and when I watched it, I was like, "This is cool. This is really, really cool." Thanks, man. Um, Thank I want to talk to you briefly um, about your art because I came across you being an artist in a very, very organic way. Um, mm -hmm. I have a good friend of mine, Ron English, Ron English and I, um, who's is a, well, you know, he's a well-known pop artist. He yeah. does art toys and stuff. Ron and I do some music together. He's got a project where he's just, he writes lyrics and he gets musicians to interpret it. And I'm kind of his, not his muse, but he likes the fact that I can do all kinds of voices and stuff. And I play a, a stoner skunk in his, in his project called the rabbits. So I was on, um, the, uh, one X run or one time run website. Yeah, um, because I had uh, gotten a code to get a, a print, and I came across all your stuff, and I was um, like, "When did this happen?" <laughs> so when did this happen? I, I've been, um, I've been drawing and painting for as long as I can remember. Okay, it was, it was the thing that I did growing up. Um, before I started surfing, which I was about eleven when I started surfing, it was sort of like all I did. I would just hang out at home and I just loved to draw. My mom was an artist too. And 
both of my brothers know how to draw and stuff. And then, so I was always doing it. And then I thought coming out of high school that I was going to go to college to pursue um, some kind of a, an arts degree, fine art degree. And so um, that's right when things started to kind of pick up a little bit of steam with Incubus. And so I, um, we were doing like weekend warrior runs and then we started getting booked more shows. And so I was like, I'm going to go to, uh, to like community college until we, until I really know what's going on because there were some better sort of university art programs that were, they were like calling me like the, the apple pie on the, yeah. on the sill, you know, with the smoke. And I was yeah. like, I feel like I'm going to go over here. <laughs> I was super interested in like experimental animation and um, painting and fine art painting and life drawing and all these things. And then we got signed and then we went on tour and uh, that portion of my life, like the, the career as a visual artist kind of got put on hold, but I never stopped drawing and painting. I just okay. would bring everything with me. And it was kind of what I was carrying in my, in my backpack for still to this day, like if I'm without at the very least, like a, a, a sketchbook and, and a pencil or some pens, I feel like I've forgotten something and I've just always been that way. So it's, cool. it's gotten cool. more and more interesting as we've gone along because the, you know, some of the successes of our band have um, offered just different opportunities, which have been um, wonderful blessings, you know, like people, they hear your band. And so it's like, like what else do you do? It's like, well, right. I actually paint too. Like, do you like this? And they're like, no, <laughs> but I like this one, <laughs> you know? So well, that's, and that's the, that's the cool thing. Like the eyeballs, um, you know, the, 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 the mothership, if you will, of Incubus brings the eyeballs to all the other stuff. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I think, judging by your energy and what I've seen from your output, I don't think you're ever going to stop growing and you're ever going to stop um, trying new things. And, and that's exciting. I mean, what's, what's life if you're not doing that? I mean, it just gets boring. I agree. I agree. I, I think that um, to have, to, to hold on to that kind of that curiosity, it, it's, um, it's like a generative force to me. That's life force. Like I, I, I'm excited by it. I, I constantly, want to do it like when it's it's fun when you have moments where you actually experience boredom because on the very other side of boredom if you look at it the right way is uh, a song that hasn't been written or a painting right. that could come to life and i'm going to sound old again just for a quick second but it's one of the strange um downfalls or or curses if you will of the the period of time that we live in is that not a lot of us have the opportunity to be bored anymore like we're mm. constantly being flooded with um information it, it is a kind of um well it's a it's a an information and attention economy and uh there's people just constantly uh vying for your attentions and when we have the opportunity to slow down and not be like just like assaulted from all directions with some form of media we can we start to want to fill that space with other things. And so yeah. that's, that's where art emerges. It's, um, it's really, really nice to talk to you. It's nice to, to, to see you in a very good space. Um, you know, a lot of people 20 years down the line, when you see them, they're, they're not necessarily in a good place, but you seem like you're in a really good place. So, um, continued success, man. And, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm always interested to see what you have going on. And when this came my way, I was really, really excited to have the opportunity to chat and I can't wait to hear uh, the whole echoes and cocoons. I mean, Thank I you. think it's, I think it's going to be fun. You're a yeah. fun guy to follow. You're a fun guy to follow. 
and um, and and uh, you're always you're always delivering. So thanks again for taking the time, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you too. Oh, hey, man, dude, um, something else I was thinking about with this Incubus uh, deep dive I just did is that uh, not only is Brandon amazing, but I, it seems like every member of that band is a stellar player. Oh, like yeah. The bass, like, the bass playing is yeah. nuts in those yeah. first few albums and the drums are insane. Like it, it, they really feel like they belong to their time, too. But at the same time, the more you listen to the albums, the more you're like, OK, that that album does not sound like that other one, but they definitely always feel like the same band, even a song from like 12 years ago. It seems consistent, but different. 100%. And they've evolved. Like, you know, the the the, the evolution they did from, you know, their beginnings to, the, you know, that that height of popularity in, uh, in 1999, 2000 with Make Yourself. I mean... Uh, they 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 just they're, they're, there's there's songwriters and they they work they work on the craft you can tell and and it's nice to see him continuing with that and again going out on a limb I mean pocket knife you know when you watch the video it's artistic um, it's creative and the song itself might not be for everyone um, but he's willing to take a risk he's willing to go out there and go this is what I'm doing this is who I am right now and I respect that because anybody that's had success with a past project Ryan and they go out on a limb a little bit it's tough. You know, it's tough. It yeah. takes a lot of guts and, uh, and he definitely has the guts. So it, it was really, really, really fun to have him on the show today. That was really, that was a nice feather in the old Rockman power hour cap. I got to tell you. Another thing about Incubus that's funny is like, they've always been around and I've, and I've heard their songs forever, but I didn't pinpoint that that was Incubus. Like I've heard their uh, songs in, um, I believe in a game called day of, uh, WWF day of reckoning or WWE, whatever, I'm old. And um, I, they also uh, were featured in this show on Much Music called So You Want to Be a Rockstar, where they yeah. take fans and they recreate the music video shot by shot for Wish You Were Here. And, uh, you know, the, the fans were just so into Incubus. Uh, that's the first time their name really registered in my mind. It really showed how... How how far stretching that incubus and that and that you know that reach was when you saw Brandon show up on American Idol. Um, you yeah. know, one of the contestants sang "Drive" and he went out and sang it with him. And you know, is it, you could say whatever you want about American Idol and this and that, but I mean, that is the that is a level of popularity in the popular culture that that is not always easy easy to attain. So um, so hats off to him. It's really important that bands kind of just you know, put yourself in a position where your normal bubble won't necessarily like be like, there's a whole world of people that haven't heard of you yet. And I think it's kind of important to put your flyer on that odd wall because you never know who's going to actually see hundred percent, hundred percent, get out of your comfort zone. And I can tell you I, from what I know about Brandon, him doing American Idol got him out of his comfort zone. I'm sure it's something he was probably at first like, mm. but man, you know, when you write songs that are in the, you know, in the subconscious of, of popular culture, yeah, you know, you, you, you've made an impact. And like you said it, you've been surrounded by Incubus your whole life. You just didn't know it. Um, Ryan, next week on the show, this is crazy, man. We're doing something next week on the show that I don't think anyone has ever done. Okay. Um, okay. We've got, we've got Slash. Yeah. All right. We've got Slash on the show, but not only do we have Slash, we've got Ron English. And why do we have Ron English and Slash together? Well, people are going to find out when they listen, but I don't think anyone's ever done this before. I don't think anyone's ever brought, you know, Ron English, who is known as, as the, the godfather of street art and Slash, who is known as one of the most prolific guitar players and, and influential musicians in rock history 
together on one podcast. And this is going to really blow people's minds because they have a very, very deep connection. That's going to make a lot of sense when we talk to both of them. So I'm excited for that. And I, I think, um, I think you should be too, because <laughs> we have a very good Ron English story as well that we're going to share with people <laughs> next week. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, all right, well, listen, let's wrap up. I, I thanks again, Ryan, for everything. Uh, always appreciated. Uh, you're the best. I, I want to thank our producer, Julia Kajerski. Um, and also I want to remind you to please, uh, like this video, uh, like this podcast, if you're listening to the audio version and subscribe. So that way you will never miss any episodes that we launch every single Monday. And, uh, also just encourage you to share this with your friends. If you're enjoying it, we appreciate the support and you guys are the absolute best. Uh, we will see you next week. And again, thank you for joining us here on the Rockman power hour. <laughs>